Psalm 40. Where I want you to notice again, verses 9 and 10 of this text, you'll notice King David here sort of reveals a conviction of his heart that frankly is the exact opposite conviction that so prevails in today's society. Verse 9, I have preached righteousness in the great congregation. Lo, I have not refrained my lips, O Lord, Thou knowest. I have not hid Thy righteousness within my heart. I have declared Thy faithfulness and Thy salvation. I have declared it. I have not concealed Thy loving kindness and Thy truth from the great congregation. The words great congregation refer literally to the general public, the Hebrew world at large, that is everybody, if you will. So that when he says in the first line of verse 10, I have not hid thy righteousness within my heart, what he means is this. He means that his faith is not a private matter. He means that he is not going to keep his faith just between he and his God. He means that he is not going to worship God, quote, in his own quiet way. See, people are saying in multiplied numbers these days, you can believe anything you want. It's freedom of religion in America, of course. Just keep your faith to yourself. Because I believe that religion is a private matter just between you and your God. And you know, that's fine except for one thing. The God that David served, and that we serve, and that you and I are told that we can worship and believe in by these people, the same God has told us to shout it from the housetops. The God that we serve has told us, in Psalm 107 verse 2, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, right? Do not hide it, Jesus said, under a bushel. In other words, you're saved, say so. You're redeemed, say so. You love God, say so. You've been born again, then then don't hide His righteousness in your heart. We taught the young people this morning from the book of Romans. Be not conformed to this world. There's a transformation when you get saved. It happens on the inside. And the word conform is much like the the French word camouflage. You have to proactively, if you're a Christian, hide yourself in this world. You have to camouflage what God is doing on the inside of you. The Bible says, go on all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So what people really mean when they say, you know, I think you can believe any way you want, just keep your religion private between you and your God, What they really mean is you can believe in any private God that you want. And you believe in that private God, the God you believe in, must want you to keep it private, invisible, and silent. And you know, folks, that's not freedom of religion. It's actually idolatry. Because now we're all told we have to believe in a God that doesn't exist, this so-called private God. We believe in the same God as King David who said, I have not refrained my lips. Who said, I have not concealed thy salvation. Who said, I have not hid thy righteousness within mine heart. We believe in the same God that 11 Jewish men were forbidden to speak about 
We're told by law, keep your mouth shut. Do not speak in this man's name. And yet, in the face of prison, in the face of death, they said in Acts 5.29, we ought to obey God rather than men, and we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. This is our faith. At the wedding reception yesterday, Thursday night, uh, some young guys were standing back there in the hallway, and the wedding party was late. And so we were just kind of talking, and they were staring at our missionary board, looking at it, noting the letters. And they asked me, they said, what is this, Pastor? And he said, do you know all these people? And I explained to them in full what it was. I said, these are people that are sent out from their hometown, their home churches, and we support them, and they go to these places, and they they take the gospel to all of these places. And their responses were the same. They said at the same time, wow. This was a concept that was completely and totally foreign to them. There are people, a growing number of people in our society, who think that the idea of missions is, quote, intrusive. It's xenophobic. It's even imperialism. Who are you to take your beliefs to another land and and bother those people, pester those, those rich cultures and what they have and their pristine situation, and you go in there with those beliefs? This is absurd. New Testament missions is nothing but pure compassion. Verse 9 again, I have preached, watch every word here. I have preached righteousness in the great congregation. Lo, I have not refrained my lips, O Lord, thou knowest. I have not hid thy righteousness within my heart. I have declared thy thy faithfulness and thy salvation. I have not concealed thy loving kindness and thy truth from the great congregation. Do you know what this is, beloved? This is, the te- this is David's Romans 1.16. Romans 1.16 is Paul's testimony where he says, as you know, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why did Paul say, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ? The word for should tell you. And it's because in the verse just before that, he had just said, as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel at Rome also, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. You see the connection. Rome was precisely one of those keep your religion to yourself places. So let's think about Paul for a moment. He preached the gospel in his hometown of Tarsus. He preached in Jerusalem, the world's holy city. He preached in Damascus, the world's oldest city. He preached in Antioch, the golden city on the Orontes. In Ephesus, the city of the world's greatest pagan temple, the temple of Diana. He preached the gospel there. In Athens, the city of culture and philosophy and mythology. In Corinth, the great metropolis of Greece. In other words, Paul went everywhere and did his very, very best to make his faith absolutely public. And if it seems strange to some people, that Paul had never been to the imperial city, to the capital of the empire. That was only because, as you know, he was arrested, thrown into jail in Caesarea. The Bible says he was hindered, hindered, but he is coming for he's not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And you know, maybe some Romans thought or said, well, speak your religion to the outsiders, but we're the great congregation. 
Preach your faith at Damascus or Jerusalem or Antioch or Athens or Corinth or anywhere else you want to do it, but Rome is different. Rome is the capital of the empire, the place of contempt for foreigners, the center of material magnificence and incredible incredible corruption. Don't come here with this message. Rome is Berlin and Moscow and New York and Tokyo and Palm Beach all combined, a place filled with power and grandeur and mythology and idols. Oh, no wonder they probably thought, no wonder Paul has never been to Rome. He must be intimidated. And you know what? If that's what they were thinking, if there were those who took that view, then Paul answers that charge by declaring, I'm coming, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I am ready, he said, to preach the gospel with all of my heart and soul in Rome also. You see, folks, if the contention by some, listening where you are or out in the world, or maybe a few of you in here tonight, is that religion is, quote, a private matter, that religion should be kept quiet and personal, that religion should just be kept to oneself, then maybe... Maybe you should keep it to yourself because it's not worth sharing. But David and Paul were not talking about mere religion. And in fact, David's very specific in this text to tell us exactly what it was that he could not hide within his heart. And yes, they are all exactly the same reasons why we cannot hide them in our hearts tonight. What are they? Number one, David did not hide the person he believed in in his heart. Verse 9 again, I have preached preached righteousness in the great congregation. I have not refrained my lips. O Lord, thou knowest, I have not hid thy righteousness within my heart. I have declared thy faithfulness, thy salvation. I have not concealed thy loving kindness and thy truth from the great congregation. Now, wait a minute. Paul said it like this. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. He did not hide the person of his faith, even though that person, think about this, that person named Jesus was crucified on one of their crosses. Now think about it. You understand that crucifixion to the Romans was the plight of the lowest forms of humanity on the planet. Anybody in their view who was crucified on a cross was completely and utterly without honor. So how do you tell? A bunch of proud Romans about a Savior who was once hung upon a cross. How do you say so as the redeemed? Only one way. Unashamedly. David said, I will not hide his righteousness within my heart. I will not hide the truth that Jesus was righteous, eternal, Sinless, virgin-born, crucified, resurrection, resurrected, and yes, coming again. I will not conceal His loving kindness from the great congregation, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, the person of our faith. If you were asked to pray in a public place, would you say, in your name we pray? In thy name we pray? Or would you be unashamed to say, in Jesus' name, we pray. Beloved, we have got to understand and accept the fact that Jesus himself, the person, 
is a stumbling block. He told us in his word that he himself would be a stumbling block in this world. He told us that the world would be offended at us in him. That in fact, that the, that the only reason Christians are hated is because they hate him first. You take Christ out of Christian and you've got nothing that offends However, the finest, most upstanding members of society bristle every time somebody prays in Jesus' name. But you know, we'll not hide His name. We'll not hide His person in our hearts. We'll not sing hymns that seek to insist there's a force, there's a being, there's a higher person, there's simply you. Hymns that sort of Refuse to say his name. You could actually think it's a love song if you didn't. It could cross over if you didn't know better. We don't sing songs that refuse to say his name. His name is Jesus. He is the Christ. He's the Son of the living God. And we will not hide his person within our hearts. The second thing you'll notice, number two, we will not hide his plan within our hearts. Verse 10 again, I have not hid thy righteousness within my heart. I have declared thy faithfulness and thy salvation. It's God's salvation, by the way. I have not concealed thy loving kindness and thy truth from the great congregation. You see, folks, there's a real move these days in churches even to talk and only speak about the loving kindness of God, but conceal the truth of God. Notice they're both here. The truth of God. I'll remind you what Paul said. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of Christ. I'm also not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. In other words, there's a lot of folks who will look admiringly, if you will, as Christ, at Christ as a teacher or a philosopher or a healer or a rabbi, and at the same time be absolutely ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Be absolutely ashamed of what it says you must do if you want to go to heaven. Because the gospel, beloved, is Jesus' entire message. The message of man's sin and forgiveness. It's a message of hell and judgment for sin. It is the message of Jesus' blood shed on the cross and the necessity of the new birth. It is the truth of the death and the burial and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the plan, the only, the only plan of salvation in the universe. And we will not hide it in our hearts. It's an amazing thing. There's these talk shows on the radio and very popular one I'm thinking of now and also on television on occasion. And they get these religious guests in. And a lot of them are very bright and have very good memories and so forth and high IQs. And they get on there and... And they, they want us to somehow embrace a message of Muhammad, any message of Buddha or of Karl Marx or whatever. And yet they want some people who come on there to be embarrassed about the gospel, about the message of Jesus Christ. Surely you don't believe. Surely you don't believe that Jesus is the only way. And so it goes. Well, I'm not embarrassed. Jesus said you must be born again. I'm not embarrassed by that. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I'm not embarrassed by that. You see, beloved, the gospel of Jesus, the gospel of our Lord, 
is a basis for being shamed. It is. People will shame you because of the gospel. They will say, well, you don't believe that someone over here who's never... They will shame you based upon the gospel. And it is a basis for being, for being shamed. But it is not a basis for being ashamed. Ever. I remember back in the 70s, Christians were shamed when people said that we were wrong to believe the gospel. They said, you Christians are wrong about sin, that everybody's a sinner and lost in salvation. And then I noticed in the 80s and the 90s, it got even worse. Christians were shamed when the world said, how dare you say that I'm wrong? That I'm wrong. My faith. I'm sincere. You Christians are intolerant for saying that we are wrong in our faith or our belief. Either way, believers are shamed for the gospel's sake. But you know, neither in the 60s or the 70s or the 80s or the 90s or the 2000s or the 2023s or right this moment do Christians ever need to be ashamed. We are not ashamed of the person. We are not ashamed of the plan. Number three, you'll notice we will not hide his power in our hearts. This goes back to what we taught the teenagers this morning. Verse one, I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. And he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust the Lord. Amen. Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power, the power of God unto salvation. In other words, folks, how in the world am I supposed to keep my faith private? Knowing of what he did, he picked me up out of a pit. He put a song in my mouth. How am I supposed to make it personal, this little matter between me and God, when he brought me up out of this horror and established my feet, my goings, and put a song? You sing a song. People hear it. Put a song in my mouth. How is that supposed to stay secret? First thing my dad said to me when I came home and I was 12 years old and I got saved. Second thing he said is, you'll get over it. First thing he said to me was, what happened to you? And I said, well, dad, can't talk about it. It's personal between me and the supreme being. You know what I really said? I got saved today, dad. <laughs> saved. Folks, when, when God saves someone, the Bible says they're born again. They're a babe in Christ. They're a new creature. How in the world is that supposed to stay private? Suppose a baby is born to a young couple. How long do they keep that newborn child private? Secret. From their family. From their neighbors. From their colleagues. Bring a baby in here from the nursery. How long do you think we'll not know the baby's in here? You don't keep a new birth secret. When Paul said it is the power of God unto salvation, that word power is the Greek word dunamis. We get the word dynamite. Keep your dynamite quiet. Keep it between you and God. The power of the omnipotent and omniscient creator of the universe that power that resides in you because you're part 
of his family now. You're a newborn child of God. You're supposed to hide and keep personal within your own heart. There's a story old as the hills about three boys who were bragging about their dads. And one boy said, you know, my dad puts a few lines on a paper, calls it poetry, and he sells it for $100 a page. Ooh. The other boy said, that's nothing. My dad puts some, he puts some dots on a paper, calls it uh, a movie, and sells it for $1,000 a page or music. And then the third boy said, well, that's nothing. He's a preacher's kid. My dad puts some points on a paper, reads it on a Sunday morning, and it takes six men to carry all the cash out when he's done. <laughs> we don't do offerings like that anymore, thank the Lord. You know, bragging your dad, you know, that's an old adage about kids, little boys bragging on the fathers. Can I say this? My father said, let there be light, and the whole universe came out of darkness. I'm not going to be ashamed of my father or his message or his power. I'll tell you this, if I were a spiritualist, we've got a lot of them in this area, certain pockets you can go and see a bunch of them, and I put my faith in a crystal that I hung from the mirror, or channeling, or some earth force, mm, the force is in the trees, or whatever, I'll be honest with you, I'd be ashamed, I would, I'd be embarrassed. I'm not shaming anyone. I'm just saying if, if I believed in that thing hanging from my mirror and the earth force and, you know, I had to connect so that the energy stays within my body, so you've got to plug it in. Um, om is allegedly the first sound ever made in the universe, so if you say it, um, you're getting in touch with the universe, etc. I, I would be embarrassed. I would be embarrassed every time my guru sat on a pillow and talked in the voice of some 5th century monk. I'd be ashamed. And I'll tell you why. Because it's powerless. It's impotent. Powerless to do anything about my sin or about eternity. And not just powerless, deceptive and fake. If I were just a religious person, a Baptist only, a Mormon, a Protestant, a Catholic, a Hindu, a Buddhist, you name it, whatever. If all that I had was just religion, I wouldn't shout it from the house stops either. I'd be embarrassed. I'd be ashamed of that message. Because good works and religion are powerless to do anything about my sin and about eternity. If tonight I were an idolater or a humanist, I'd be ashamed. If I spent money, we used to have them in Pigeon Forge when we lived in East Tennessee. Palm readers were everywhere. If I walked in and I gave that lady 50 bucks to read my palm... I'd be embarrassed to tell anybody about that. I'd be ashamed. If I was going to that person for some sort of spiritual guidance, it would be embarrassing. If I went over to Clearwater, which is the headquarters of Scientology, and held those little soup cans and, and got cleansed for a day or two, I wouldn't tell anybody about that. I'd be humiliated. I'd be ashamed of any belief that ignores the truth about God's righteousness and man's sin. I'd be ashamed, honestly, of atheism. They're so proud of it. 
closes its eyes literally to the truth of creation and then manufactures a fairy tale that nobody in the world would buy if there was any other alternative offered to them. It's powerless and false as a message. But Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Rome had a vast army, a lot of wealth, tremendous amount of power. But all of it together, beloved, couldn't keep Caesar out of hell. And a man or a woman can earn a Ph.D. in psychology and then another one in biology and another one in theology and another one in philosophy. That would take a long time. All of them together wouldn't have enough power to cleanse one sin before the holy God with whom he must give an account. Look at verse 9. I have preached righteousness in the great congregation. Verse 10, I have not hid thy righteousness within my heart. I want you to think about those words. His righteousness in my heart. And I want you to look or listen. You'll see it on the screen, I think. Romans chapter 1. Here are these verses. Paul says, I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. Verse 15. So, as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. Verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Verse 17. For therein is the righteousness of We just read it in Psalms, right? Therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. You see, beloved, fellow believer, fellow member of Beacon Baptist Church in this room, the righteousness of God that David could not hide in his heart, that righteousness is revealed in the gospel. How? How then can we as a people, as a church, as individual believers ever be ashamed of that or shamed by it? Yes. Ashamed of it? Never. In other words, think about it this way. The very reasons why the world wants to shame us with God's gospel and with Jesus and with his power, those are the exact same reasons why we cannot hide it in our hearts. If anybody here in our church, watching at home, visiting members. If anyone ever gets the notion or if you hear the chatter in your ears and someone tries to give you the notion that we really shouldn't be sending out all of these missionaries. It's a lot of money, Pastor, $40,000 a month. A month. Supporting these people to go into these foreign lands. We have no business picking up riders on a van, knocking you know, these people and, and saying, come on. If anybody has a notion that knocking on doors or, or going into public schools, it's kind of nervy, Pastor, going into a, a school, a government school, and preaching the gospel and teaching Bible verses and God's truth to little children. Well, I got some good news. There's two more schools now opened up. (laughs) Jupiter Farms Elementary, Thomas, Jerry Thomas. And you say, what are you doing in there? Well, they're going in there. These workers, all I can say is, would to God 
that the same workers could go to every school in America, in every city. Pastor, I don't understand. You got Chris Hammonds going to the jails? Those guys need help. They need counseling. They need psychology. That's what put them in jail. Lies from childhood. You got Ned out there passing out Bibles and tracts. Walmart. And you know it upsets people? I'm pretty sure it does. You got a track rack? Someone about 12 years ago <laughs> said to me, it was actually when we were uh, building that building over there, and there's a track rack in building, you know, C. Why are you going to be track rack in the gym? We should, I, I kind of think track racks are outdated. There's a church in this area that actually, when the pastor came, they, he had to take all the track racks out. Man, the more the merrier, amen? We had Colton out here throwing tracks all over the country. Pastor, if anybody gives you the notion, or you hear it or you start to get it in your heart, I just think, you know, we need to back off. No, we don't need to back off because we will not hide his righteousness in our hearts. And God's people said? Our heads are bowed, please, and our eyes are closed. We could go on and on, of course, tonight with other ministries, other outreaches. It begins with each and every one of us. We had a wedding yesterday. I didn't know. It was a big one. But in a wedding, you quoted John 3.16. You talked about the fact. you had to cut. Yes. Yes, and at the funeral. And in church. And in my neighborhood. And in yours. We will not because we cannot. You know, the Lord Jesus gave us one, what we call great commission. Go in the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And if you're here tonight and maybe, maybe you've been reading the wrong things or hearing the wrong things or thinking the wrong things, maybe you've been listening to secular mindsets that religion or faith is supposed to be a private matter. I think tonight would be a good time to, to recalibrate and understand that the heart of our God is taking the gospel to all the nations. Look, there wouldn't be anybody in this room tonight. I wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be here if you're saved. None of us would be here if people had the idea they were supposed to keep their faith private. You wouldn't have known about it. Pastor Blalock, I'm, I'm here tonight. I'm a Christian, but I needed this reminder, this message tonight, and God has spoken to my heart. Who would say that with uplifted hands through the building? And I raise mine and amen, and God bless you. Praise the Lord. It's possible that someone is here tonight or watching where you are and you're not saved, can we pray for you? This dear couple that walked the aisle, what a blessing this morning. I'm not sure that I'm saved, but I want to be sure. Anybody like that, just raise your hand right where you are. We'll pray for you in a moment, all right? We're going to have a time of invitation, and, and I hope that you will respond as the Spirit leads and speaks to your own heart. And just have the biblical vision, the heart of our Lord Jesus, who would, that men everywhere, hear the gospel. Not because they want to hear it, because they need to hear it, just like we did. Father, bless the invitation. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the faithful people in this room and the ones listening who are not ashamed. And they're not ashamed of you. They're not ashamed of your power, of Jesus, and of the message the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you for those who, who unashamedly take it 
where they go. May we be known for that as a beacon truly, a light on a hill that cannot be hid, as your son said. Bless now the invitation in Jesus' name. Amen. On behalf of everyone at Beacon Baptist Church, we thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that your heart and life has been impacted through the biblical truths of this message. If you have questions or would like more information, please contact us through our website at beaconbaptistchurch.org. That's beaconbaptistchurch.org. May the Lord bless you.